0: We are the table, and we are so glad you are taking time from your busy schedule to listen to this message. It is our hope that during the course of this message, you are inspired to move forward in life and faith. We welcome you, and thank you again for joining us. put it in the envelope and write on there, gospel choir, then we'll make sure that that goes to that cause. Amen? Amen, amen. And how many of you um, actually go back and listen to or share the sermons from each week. Amen. Amen. If you did not know, we, you have the ability to do that as well. There's a couple ways that you can do that. You can go to our church website, uh, thetablejoliet.org. Click on sermons. You can go there to listen to the podcast. Um, you can also go into Church Center. If you downloaded our free Church Center mobile app at the very, very top, there's a button that says, Listen to Sermons. You can hit hit that button, and it'll take you to the archive of the sermons. And now we have been recording and live streaming our services to add video, because it's been all audio for the last couple of weeks. So since the first of the year, uh, we've been posting on Facebook. So you can get that by going to um, the Table Joliet. You can search for that on Facebook, and it'll take you right to the church's page. And you'll see videos there as well. So I tell you that not to promote me. Not to promote. I want you to know because many have asked, when are we going to have video? When are we going to have video? Well, bless the Lord, we're starting to have some video to share and to watch and listen to. Amen? So I just wanted to make sure that you got that notice in case you didn't read the newsletter. But I'm positive everybody reads the newsletter. Amen. Amen. Let's get started. Let's jump right in. We are in a series uh, titled Worthy. We've spent the last three weeks digging into the Word of God to explore this concept of worthiness and what it means to be worthy. Our first week, we talked about enough is enough. You are enough, and when you've had enough, God is enough. No matter what you're going through, you are enough to see his blessings. You can lean on him when you've reached your limits. Week two, we talked about how Jesus is among us. Jesus is among his people. He sees it differently than you and I do. He's right there in the midst of our situations and we see dead ends and he doesn't. He sees opportunity and he shows up in miraculous ways. Last week, we talked about having a worthy role. We talked about how the world has really taken the, the definition of men and women and husbands and wives and really tainted that as if, oh, that's, that's, a, that's just an easy task or that's something nobody should aspire to just be a man or woman of God. The devil is a lie. He's absolutely a lie. So we dug into that. And so today, we are going to be in the gospel according to John in the ninth chapter, and I have seven verses that we're going to start off reading. John chapter 9, verse number 1 begins this way. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva, and he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him to go wash in the pool of Shalom, which means sent. So the man went, and he washed, and he came back seeing. Can I encourage you today from verse number three that you are worthy of the remarkable works of God? You are worthy of the remarkable works of God. When I look at this text, several questions come to my mind. But there are two questions that come to my mind, um, kind of like, like, like the first couple of things that jump in my head. The first thing is, like, how did he get here? Like, so the, the Bible doesn't really say, like, what exactly happened. We, Jesus, the man just, like, shows up. and So I'm like, well, 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 first of all, how did he get here? And why is this happening to him? Like, why him? Why is this happening to him? And these are two of the same questions that I ask myself in my own unfavorable situations or my own circumstances that don't seem to make a lot of sense. I ask myself a lot of times, who? I ask myself how and why? how did I get here, and why am I going through this? And these are really great questions, and they're valid questions. But, like, only when you're not pressed for a solution and you have time to ponder those things. So earlier in my career, many of you know, um, I worked in health information systems in, like, a, a fast-paced, high-pressure situations all the time because doctors need information and health systems need to make decisions. So there's always pressure to be had. There's always questions that need answers and you got to know that everybody need everything when. <laughs> right now, yesterday, David, that's right. And and through that, I remember in my career as I began to get more responsibility, and I would lead teams and be uh, doing all this different programming and coming up with solutions for greater business intelligence and things of that nature, I realized that there was such a thing as analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis is like spending so much time processing every endless possibility that you become stuck and do nothing. And two things that don't really add up is when something needs to happen right now and then you take all this time pondering all of the what-ifs. So it isn't saying that planning isn't necessary or vetting isn't necessary. It's wise to ask questions. It's just a different set of questions because you want to you get to the facts of a situation. So you ask things like what, where, where, When? How much does it cost? That's a big one. But it's a different set of questions because when you're processing the other things, you can get stuck in the possibilities of all the things that happen. But it's still necessary to ask questions. I always find it interesting when people's outlook on church or outlook on ministry or outlook on on reading the Bible, they feel like they can't ask questions. But if you ever tried to read the Bible even a little bit, I guarantee you ought to have some questions. Because there's a lot of things in the Bible that just, can I put it boldly to you, don't make no sense. And that's not blasphemous. That's not blasphemous. I'm telling you, it doesn't make sense because there are things that are happening spiritually and supernaturally that to the, to the common person or your own logic or the way that you see it, or you're always looking for one plus one to equal two, and that is not how the spirit of God works. That is not how the miraculousness of Jesus Christ works. That is not how God, the creator who created something from nothing but his words, works. So I find it interesting when people are like, well, don't question the Bible. Well, um, the thing that's crazy about that is that the Bible actually encourages asking questions. The Bible encourages the pursuit of wisdom. Jesus himself has a tendency to ask questions, to verify understanding. He even answers questions with questions. He even from his mouth directed us to what? Seek and find. That means there's a search. That means there are some questions to be asked. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28 verse 9, it promises that if you seek him, he will be found by you. Psalm 27 and 8 says, talk of the heart seeking his face. Isaiah thirty-four sixteen says, says, seek and read from the book of the Lord. This is put most powerfully in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 2 through 5, who instructs us to make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, cry out for insight, raise your voice for understanding, seek it out like silver, and search for it is his, like it is a hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Sounds like permission to ask a bunch of questions. So, asking questions, seeking knowledge and understanding cannot possibly be a bad thing. It can't be. The Bible records in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get an understanding. Sounds to me like permission to look for truth. In God's word. So here we are in the text trying to figure out in this passage, everybody has heard, oh, yeah, Jesus healed a blind man. And we can make it that simple if that's all the Lord wanted us to get out of this miracle. That he has the ability to heal. That is true. But see, in the search for understanding and reasoning within our wisdom, we have to, based on our faith, we have to seek said understanding, and it ought to come from the Lord himself. So it can't just be about he healed a man. That is true. But I contest that when I search for understanding from any place other than what thus said the Lord, when I search for my understanding in anywhere other than what did the Lord do in this situation? What were the relationships? What were the challenges? What were the responses? Unless I really dig into what happened and all the things that Jesus is doing, I am risking confusing my curiosity for the need of control. What do I mean by that? A lot of times we ask questions because we want to get to the thing to prove it to ourselves, to make us feel good about what we thinking and what we feeling. That's the difference between other questions and how, and why, because what is a thing. What was it? It was this, who, it was a person, where, it was a place, how, and why. Why is a good one, because then you get the challenge motive. Any of you get analysis paralysis when you're dealing with personal relationships? Well, what did that mean? Did you see her eyebrow go up? Well, what is she trying to say? Do you hear that inflection in his voice? What? I know you notice how he was tapping his fingers nervously. And you look into every single detail and you try to get somewhere to help you be convinced about whatever it is that you're trying to process. Oh, don't let it be looking for something Somebody did you wrong or somebody pushed you the wrong way. Then you jump to the conclusion of uh, what they meant, why they meant it. You know, because they be acting funny all the time. See, this is what we go through when we ask questions. But we have to understand that there are a couple things that are happening in this space. This blind man, we could ask those same things. And the disciples did. They said, why was he born? Why was he born blind? Not why was he born. Why was he born blind? He had to do something. What would he do wrong? Oh, he must have been an awful person. Ah, his mama and daddy must have been awful. That's why he was blind. Maybe. Maybe it's because of something in his past. Maybe, maybe it's not even the same boy. That'll explain it. He well, that explains the miracle. Todd, it explains it because it's not even the same boy. So all we got to do is to fly in a real blind boy, and then we'll know that it really what happened didn't really happen. Because this is the way our brains process. Well, how can he see now? Maybe, maybe, maybe the person who actually healed him isn't a person of God, so maybe it's actually a curse that something else is going to happen. Maybe, maybe, wait, 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 wait. Maybe he wasn't totally blind to begin with. He was just a person. He was just legally blind. I never quite understood that. But whatever. You're either blind or you're not. But my point is, when it comes to the works of Jesus... Our brains try to get us to process it in a way that's palatable for us. And if we can't understand the miraculousness of how Jesus does things, you will always convince yourself that when you need him most, you are going to be the one that comes up with the solution and not him. Because if you don't wrap your mind around the glory of God and the impact that he can have, you really do risk, you miss out that when you're in your most desperate state, that it is going to be you that's going to actually fix and solve the problem. You think you got to help God. Okay, maybe y'all don't have to admit it. There have been times in my life where I felt like I had to give God a, you know, A little nudge. But we do that because we're trying to, the hows and the whys help us to look for reason. But it looks to help us for reason to clear up our doubt. But my question to you is this, why waste time looking for the reason in God's miraculousness? The, the logic in it all, The why, why, why do that? Because if the reason changes, like, if you're already in there and things are already happening, then what's the point? Does it matter why, he, like, how he got blind? Does it matter that it's a childhood accident, is the reason that he actually is blind? Or, or is it more important that Jesus healed him from said ailment? See, I need you to be released from the pressures of trying to find explanation in your bad days. Sometimes the world has put us in a place as a body of believers that we we want to understand why things ain't working out for us instead of trusting that the Lord will work it out for us. You play the blame game with yourself. You know what? Maybe I don't deserve that. You start searching your own past for what you did to blow it. You start saying things like, Jesus must just be punishing me for the thing I did when I was 17. I'm old. This doom and gloom. The thing that you need to understand and the thing that you need to learn here is that regardless of what is happening, Jesus can change it. In the text that we read in John chapter 9, those seven verses that I read for you, if we continue and we will continue through the text, there are so many people asking all of these questions to make sense of this condition. You see the neighbors in the neighborhood trying to figure out who is the boy or if it's the same boy. You got the Pharisees who's casting doubt on the fact that there's any healing going on at all. You even have the blind boy's parents hesitant, committing, yeah, our son was blind. But you got to ask him what happened. There's constantly questions in this whole scenario of what exactly is happening. And if our focus is on how to avoid getting ourselves into a, what got ourselves in the situation or what's going to get us out of the situation, then we won't acknowledge that Jesus is at work in the midst of it. If all we're doing all the time is questioning what we know and questioning how we deserve or what we deserve, you have to know that we didn't deserve the grace. Just put a pin in it. I don't deserve it. And if he sent his son to die for you, guess what? He did that knowing you don't deserve it. So why are you going to waste time every day, all day, kicking around why you don't deserve it? Duh. <laughs> he already knew. He already knew that there would be things that, 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 that were undeserving, but he loved you First, in verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I told you last week where Jesus is, Jesus' things happen. Where brokenness should be, things are made whole. Where famine should be, there is surplus. Where sadness should be, there is happiness. When things are separated or it should be separated, in Jesus, they can be reconciled. These are things that just are truths of who Jesus is. Thus saith Jesus himself, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. In other words, where there should be darkness, where there is darkness, I come in and bring light. Jesus cannot be in a situation and know Jesus' things are happening. It ain't like you and me. You walk into a room and nobody could care less. I'm sorry. I don't mean to just knock you. <laughs> but on the flip side of that, on the flip side, no, in all seriousness, on the flip side of that, if you are somebody who prays and you are somebody who seeks to walk with Jesus... Have you ever gone into a space and all of a sudden the atmosphere shifts for the positive? Because what you bring into the situation, what you're bringing into the space, Jesus accompanies you and all of a sudden what was about to happen can't happen. Maybe you don't always go to the places that I go or know the people that I know, but I always think it's funny when people invite me places. They invite me. We show up, but there's a rule. I show up early. You know why I show up early? Any guesses? So I can leave early. Nah, that ain't there. (laughs) I show up early because you don't realize that you're going to ruin your party by inviting me. I'm I'm, going to help somebody today. See, see the, the people who party in the right way ain't worried about They're like, what? What are you saying? Stay as long as you want. But I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the other kind of parties. They invite me for the gesture. And then when I show up, it's so funny because they walk in the room and they see me and they start hiding their bottles, hiding their glass. Oh, the pastor here, the pastor here. Who, who invited the pastor? Who invited the pastor? They'll stand there and choke themselves out. about to die. But you invited me. You invited me. But the, but but you understand what I'm saying? I, I didn't do nothing. You called me, you told me I could come get a plate. But, but see, when you walk into a space and Jesus is with you, all of a sudden everybody get convicted. Everybody's behavior has got to change because they think Jesus see them. Or somebody who knows Jesus see them. I got news for you. Jesus see you all the time. All the time. So whether you invite me or not, he will find you. <laughs> no, I, I, I kid, but I'm serious though. See, when Jesus is involved, everything shifts. You got to tell somebody, tell somebody this morning, Things are no longer what they used to be. See, I can't explain it. The boy who was who, who, who all of a sudden his sight was restored and he had never seen before, he kept saying, look, I don't know how. It just happened. He told me what to do and I did it. I can't explain it, but I can tell you this, I'm going to proclaim it. I can tell you this, I'm going to grab it. I said, you look good. Mark ran right up. Yep, thank you. Why? Because you got to be bold enough to just take it. Understand what is happening. In John chapter 9 verses 8 and 9, says this, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging before. They saw him and they asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others Said, no, he just looked like him. But he himself had to clear it all up. He said, oh yeah, that's me. I am him. You got to learn how to claim your newness in Jesus. You got to learn how to claim the newness that is in Jesus. And you don't have to wait till you had the newness for a period of time. Some of us get Jesus, we have a Jesus encounter, and we're going to leave right out of here after a Jesus encounter, walk out there, and let somebody else tell us who we used to be. You got to be able to, right in the moment that it happened, you, boom, oh, wait, wait a second. I'm walking in something new. I know, I know, I talked to you last night before I went to bed, and we had plans at noon, not today, Because I had some time with the Lord this morning. I got in the Word this morning. I had an encounter with the Spirit of the Lord, and you know what? Something is different. I don't know how it's going to be next week, but right here, right now, change of plans. Here we are. The Word starts to talk about this manifestation of who God is. This is the point that is made. Why is this condition of blindness there? Why? I don't know. I can't tell you the history behind it, but Jesus himself said the reason that it's like this is so the power of God can be seen in him. Can I tell you something? There are some things that you've been wrestling with your whole life. There are some things that as you walk into this new season of your life that you stuck trying to figure out how you're going to get through it and why it's happening. Can I tell you the reason that it's happening now? Because you have been equipped and prepared up until this point and you should have learned how you got through it last time was by your faith. And I know this is a bigger, badder, bad wolf. But guess how you're going to get through this one? Same way. So while you stand there up against this giant, Goliath, while you stand there looking at at this this red sea, as you stand there looking at this lion's den, can I tell you how you going to get past it? How you going to get through it? How you going to survive it? With your creator and his son. Same way. Here we are. The word of God says we, we got to take claim of this here faith that we have. You got to be able to speak for yourself. We've been talking a lot the last couple weeks in Worthy, we've been talking about the role of man and woman, husband, wife. But now it's time to talk about the kids, the children, the child. I don't care how old you were, if you in this room right now, you had some parents, so I'm talking about you. And the interesting thing about this story is, everybody in the community got questions about how this man now can see. But there comes a point where the faith of your mother and father is not going to get you through any longer. Mm. It comes a point after you've been raised and as you've been brought up as a child, you've been taught. You have to make adjustments, and there are things that you have to take ownership of for yourself. In this, the Pharisees go find his parents. They start asking his parents a set of questions, because the parents need to have an explanation for their son. And then the parents turn it right back around and say, Look, I'll answer your questions. But you're going to ultimately have to speak to him because this was his Jesus encounter. This was his interaction of faith. He is walking in what Jesus did for him. I can't be the spokesperson for for, for what is happening to him. I'm trying to help you understand many of us are still depending on the faith of our mothers, fathers, grandparents, Great grandparents, etc. And we hold on to that. We will walk out the door, and not say a prayer for ourselves because we know our grandma praying for us. But at what point does it become your responsibility in relationship with the Lord? The word says in John 9, chapters 20, or I'm sorry, nine, verses twenty two twenty three. 23. And this is what they say: they say, We know he's our son. His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he's old enough, ask him. In other words, now, as we exercise our faith, we have to know sometimes there will be consequences of said faith. But in this instance, his parents' faith can't be be persecuted because of the decision and the words of their son. So understanding what's at risk, the son has to speak up and be accountable. For what he encountered with Jesus and profess for himself that Jesus is Lord. Can I encourage you today? You and I can gain growth in our faith. We get bold when we profess our faith for ourselves. You will see Jesus in new ways when you take ownership of it. Your faith gets deeper when you began to see the revelations of the Lord for yourself. Because otherwise, everybody telling you, it's no different than, than your parents and grandparents telling you about their snow days and having six feet of snow above their head, walking up a hill for five miles in the dead of the winter when it was negative 50. You know how all y'all roll y'all eyes? You know when your, grand, when, when your old man started telling you, he take that real deep breath, it was a uh, ninth. 15, 50, uh, 57, I know, because your uncle had the green, uh. you know how all y'all roll your eyes when somebody go down memory lane like that, and y'all don't want to listen to the rest? That's exactly how your faith works. You sit there and wear it out because mama and daddy got it. And you lean into all of their words, you say, Yeah, 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 I know, but do you know? But do you really know? Is it really yours? Are you really declaring it and adding it for yourself? The man answered in verse 30. The man himself, when everybody got all these questions and the Pharisees are pushing on everybody, the man answers. And he said, Now, this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from. Now, you got to hear the sarcasm in this. you got all these questions that you're asking. Clearly, the miraculous have happened. Nobody has an explanation for this. And, and, and he said, this is remarkable. You don't know where he came from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, so he listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a blind man. So if if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. In other words, he said, you know how silly it is for y'all to be running around all the time? Been dodging bullets for 40 years. All the wouldas and couldas and shouldas that have happened to you. All the obstacles you've overcome. All the things that did not defeat you. And you got the nerve to sit here and act like... It wasn't God. How silly is it that we act this way? A man is standing next to you that you yourself know was blind and begging for help. His mom and daddy didn't confirm for you, yeah? Let me see the birthmark on his back. That's him, that's our boy. Yep, he was born blind. They've confirmed this over and over and over and over, and you still question it. I got to tell you, there's more to the story. There's more to your story. There's more to this story. See, this man is able to be bold and laugh at people who could have put him away from professing Jesus. For him saying it was Jesus, he could have been locked away. But he eventually starts talking to them with a boldness and a confidence. Like, man, do what you got to do. I know. I know how I got healed. If he was anything less than God, the blindness would have continued. If he were anything less than God, people would have made excuses as they tried for his healing. If he were anything less than God, there would be fear of claiming him As his own. But I told you to start, you are worthy of the remarkable. You've got to see yourself in this story. Are you the one who was once blind that can now see? You've got to see yourself in the story. Are Are you the one who every time Jesus does something, you are a skeptic? And you're watching everybody around you experience this remarkable response to their faith. And you're saying, oh, that's just luck. All oh, is just that. It all is just that. That could never be me. See, John 9 shows us four responses to this miracle of Jesus the neighbors who first see the boy who can now see. They are like surprised, but they are skeptical. Is that you? Is that you where you see people of faith? You hear people talk about their testimonies. You hear people talk about their blessings, their recoveries, and you hear it, but you operate in skepticism. Are you like the Pharisees who just are flat out in disbelief? They flat out just don't believe it, and they're going to prove that that ain't God at all. Are you like the parents where you believe it, but you got to be quiet about your belief? You have not settled into a boldness of faith that says, nope, the good in my life is Jesus. The way that my my wife and I reconciled was Jesus. The way my son and daughter stayed on track, it was Jesus. The way my family is together at church, it it was Jesus. The way they made it through high school was, was, was Jesus. The way we closed on this house was Jesus the way I got out of this situation that was no good for me was Jesus. When they gave me a death sentence and then I went back and they could find nothing was Jesus. Will you be that bold to be able to see it and walk in it? Or do you see yourself as the healed man healed and growing in faith, healed and with every minute that goes by that you realize the glory of God and the move, the move of his spirit in your life. Where with every passing moment you get deeper, you get stronger, you get bolder, you get more endurance, you get happier, you get excited. The words or the songs mean something different all of a sudden. The things that you used to desire start to taper off a bit. The things that used to distract you you have no interest in anymore. Are you the kind that by the end of verse 33 you're willing to laugh at somebody say, I dare you laugh at my Jesus. How? You know what? Do what you got to do. I ain't even worried about what you're talking about because I know for a fact that my Lord and Savior Turn me around. I know that he saved my life. I know that he made me into a new creature I don't think the same way. I don't walk the same way. I don't talk the same way I don't have the same desires and I know before the mess happens that he will bring me through it Are you that kind of bold? Are you getting to be that kind of person that your strength? There is faith in that when I need strength. I'm calling on him when I hear when I need healing I'm calling on him are you that place? Each reaction of the others allowed the healed man to reach a clearer understanding of who it was that healed him. So, as we prepare to take Holy Communion today, that is the thought I want to leave you with. What is your understanding of the one who healed? What is your understanding of the one who saved you? And the time is now to get a deeper understanding. It's time for us to take it to the next level, not to just believe and believe silently, but to believe and be bold. To believe, be bold, and expect. So that when you and I walk into a space, because there's plenty of spaces in the world, unless you've been under a rock, you don't realize there are plenty of spaces in the world who needs the body of Christ to enter it and to shift the atmosphere. And the way that we do it is with Jesus Christ. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to please stand. And I'm going to invite you to my left and to my right. There are two tables to the left and the right that have communion in it as you walk And as you proceed to get your communion, that's what I want you to process. We serve a worthy, worthy God. He is so worthy. But you are too. You are worthy of the the miraculousness and the remarkable that he does in our lives. Don't take my word for it as you come. And as you take and you just observe the bread that represents the body and the juice that represents the blood, is that He knew you would need a Savior. And He knew and decided for you, even in your unworthiness. He knew. So I encourage you to begin to open, open the bread. And the Bible records that every time we take communion, we do so in remembrance of him. So I just wanna take a moment as everyone gets and returns to their seat. For yourself, Just, just remember, what has he done for you in your life? When were you blind and now you see? When were you broken and he's pulled you together? When did you need him? And he showed up. And as you lift, and I encourage you to take, take this bread and remember all those times all those things as you take with the body do so in remembrance of what he did for you. And as we open this cup I want you to remember not just what he did but what he will do because of what he's already done. There are many among us who take this unworthily, not because they're not worthy, they're not worthy of His sacrifice. They are, but they have not acknowledged. They have not repented. They have not thought about where they've fallen short. Ask for forgiveness. Seek, and these shall find as we prepare to lift and take of this drink we do so in remembrance of what he's done you are worthy he is worthy and he gets the glory now until forever this is the message and the word of God it is already blessed And I pray it blesses you from now until the end of days. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's message. We pray it moves you forward in your relationship with Jesus. If you are looking for a church home or in the area and want to visit, we are located at 1451 Black Road in Joliet, Illinois. You can also find and follow us by searching The Table Joliet online. We'd love to meet you and walk your faith journey with you. Thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you soon.